You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors surrounding all the cool and exciting films and projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? Doing good. I mean, this is a fun part of the year where we got a new Star Wars movie and some Star Wars gaming news to talk about, so it should be a fun one. Yes. And we got lots and lots of solo adage as well, correct? Yeah. Okay. I don't good. know about lots and lots. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots and lots of Battlefront to get to. But why do you hate uh, this movie so much, Kyle? Why I do you hate? hate it? I don't hate this movie. Fine. Let's too. talk about the movie. Um, right. Yeah, we'll we'll start off uh, kind of picking up. I guess kind of where we left off on our last episode, because our last episode ran longer than we expected. Um, although it was a movie review, who didn't expect a long episode from us? But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, and Solo's been out for a few weeks now, so um, we'll kind of start off with uh, you know some additional thoughts on that. Um, talk a little bit about um, just sort of the the audience reactions and the box office and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, the movie hasn't done as well as we hoped and kind of as well as people were expecting for a Star Wars movie. Um, but it seems like a lot of fans are still really enjoying it. And uh, I mean, it's kind of just a mixed bag. But um, I don't know. What do you, what's you guys uh, take on the movie as it stands right now? Well, for me, I've seen the movie five times now. And we were having a great conversation before we started recording <laughs> and I'm hoping to recapture some of that magic for a few minutes here. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe this is, I, I'm going to still say rogue one edges out solo for the favorite of the new films. Um, but it's not by much. It's like hanging on by a thread and I wouldn't be surprised if solo maybe eventually takes over. We'll see how, what it looks like on home video, and um, see what it looks like on 4K. That's the one advantage Solo has for me right now, is the 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 4K could really over, over you know overshadow the the Rogue One's Blu-ray release because it's in 4K. And I think this movie was shot with with such ease and with the natural lighting, it's going to make the 4K just look beautiful. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But that being said, even with Rogue One, I think Rogue One's an overall I think better film in a sense to where. 
it's you know the drama and the and the consequences it's just like a heavy just this crazy just you know the, the action's incredible just really cool deep cuts in it that are you know a lot of fun but that being said i think solo is the most star wars out of all the films we've gotten um for like you know it feels like the most star wars and when i watch it I feel like I'm watching a Star Wars movie, whereas sometimes it took me a while. Like it took me a while to feel that that way for The Force Awakens. It took a while. It was immediate with Rogue One, but it but it wasn't like you know just a full, a totally fun ride like Solo was. Last Jedi, it's definitely not there quite yet for me as far as feeling like Star Wars completely. It's getting there, but it's not quite. There. <laughs> well, it's there. I'm just being funny, but it's for it is. It's still difficult for me to accept some things, but that's a whole different podcast. But solo for me is just it, it's a lot of fun, and I I feel like it's the most Star Wars out of all the films. Is it the best film? I think Rogue One edges it out still. But if I but if I had to say which one feels the most Star Wars, I think it's by far Han or Han Solo. Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong there thinking that it feels the most Star Wars. I think that could be a pretty accurate statement. And for me, I've still only seen it twice, which is bugging the heck out of me. I mean, that's like a new low mark for me seeing new Star Wars movies in the theater. <laughs> but I'm going to make sure I see it at least one more time before the theatrical runs out. So got to make that happen. But yeah, I mean, even not seeing it again since we did our last episode, just thinking about it and then getting a chance to look more at like I finally got the official guide and the art book just going through is making me think about the movie more appreciating certain things and I still just continue to love it and I could probably say if I had to rank all four new movies right now I'd probably put Solo number two right behind The Force Awakens I think it just edges out Rogue One for me just because of the amazing character moments I got in this film to me that's what really sets it apart from from Rogue One and even some of the other moments that we've gotten in The like Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. It's just a lot of special stuff here for me. And I kept saying before and during our movie review how I was looking forward to those big iconic moments that we were waiting to see and how it really delivered. And it just really did. And there's not just one of them. There's several of them in this movie, which I think puts it over the top in certain aspects when you compare it with the other ones. And you could probably maybe argue, yeah, Rogue One probably has a better story. It is more dramatic, but those character moments just really stand out. And the performances we got, I mean, that's what really sells those great character moments. And it's just the highlight of the movie for me. So, yeah, even though I haven't seen it, I'm still thinking about it regularly. And I'm just dying to see it again because I know the more I see it, the more I'm going to enjoy it. Because um, I know talking with you, Paul, during The Last Jedi, once you hit the number five point of seeing in the theater, you felt that was good for you. You can, you know you'll be good waiting till it comes out on 4k blu-ray but i get the impression that that's not the case for solo for you like you're saying you can see it more or it seems mm -hmm. that way anyway so yeah i could see it anytime i just you know i'm a little busy right now and it's yeah. also expensive to do it so. totally. but that's a testament to the movies though like what we're talking about this how mm -hmm. you're saying it's fun it feels star warsy and for me just the performances and the character moments we got and i could totally see that being the case for me if i did have a chance to see it more than twice so yeah definitely just can't wait to see it again yeah, I mean, it's I, – I guess I'm not as in love with the movie as you guys. Um, and we talked Ooh. about this on the last episode too. <laughs> oh, hush. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think out of the four newest Star Wars movies, I would probably rank it at the bottom. Um, although I'm kind of – 
I need to watch Last Jedi again because I <laughs> I still have a lot of shifting emotions on that movie. Um, uh, but I'm sort of at the point now where like I feel like the last time I watched The Last Jedi, it kind of took a dip for me. And I but I feel like if I watch it again, I'm gonna actually like it more. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I think actually at this point, I would probably say that Rogue One is my favorite of the new Star Wars movies. Um, and Solo, I mean, I I definitely love it. It's a whole lot of fun. I've seen it three times now, so I've actually seen it more than Tim. But um, so and wow, I rock you, Kyle. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. I might see it one more time, only because I have a friend who still hasn't seen it yet, and he told me to like get on him about it and make sure he goes to see it. Um, and so I might just end up going to see it with him. Um, but I don't feel like I need to see it again. I mean, I'm definitely going to pick it up on Blu-ray when it comes out and, you know, watch it again. Um, if I only see it three times in the theater, I'll be fine with that. Um, and I mean, that would be my lowest total of all the new movies. Cause I saw Force Awakens eight times. And I think I saw Rogue One and The Last Jedi both five times. Um, but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm definitely, I'm happy with it. I enjoy it. Um, it just, it's hard for me to say that I like it better than, you know, especially any of the Skywalker saga films, just because of how sort of epic and dramatic those stories are. And I mm -hmm. think, and, you know, not to say this is a knock against the movie, but, you know, we talked about how this is just kind of a fun, easy going, you know, adventure movie. And just the story of Solo, it just doesn't have those high stakes. And I feel like when you look at, the overall story of Star Wars and just all the important pieces to it, like this one easily feels the least consequential in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, if I was going to be stranded on a deserted island for the rest of my life and I could take all my Star Wars movies except one, I think I would leave Solo behind just because I feel like you're missing the least amount of stuff you're with that You're a monster! <laughs> I'm not the monster. Here you are. Don't get me quoting Shrek. Um... <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on the side of fans that, you know, enjoy the movie. It's a shame to see it not doing, or, you know, just not doing very well because, um, I mean, it's got decent reviews from critics. It's got decent reviews from fans. Let me actually see where the, um, I'm going to look at Rotten Tomatoes real quick and see, like, what the fan score is. Because I remember it being... Can we trust that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just out of curiosity because I remember it being lower than I... I remember well, kind of being surprisingly low at one point. I mean, it's a it's got a seventy one percent critic score and a sixty five percent audience score, um, mm. with an average rating of like three and a half out of five. So, not bad. But again, maybe just because it didn't blow people away. Um, I mean, The Force Awakens. Everybody seemed to love it. Well, most people at least. It was one of those movies where it seemed like everybody loved it at first, and then the more people saw it and the more people talked about it, the more people started having issues with it and stuff. But I mean, you can't argue with the box office results on that one. Like that was yeah. hugely popular. Then Rogue One came along, and I think just surprised everybody. And with it being the first of these, uh, you know, standalone films, we didn't really know what to expect with it. And I really think they knocked that one out of the park and delivered with some you know, really hard-hitting, kind of gritty, war movie-style action. Um, and, of course, with that awesome Vader scene at the end. Um, and then The Last Jedi, you know, obviously didn't do as well as Rogue One, but still did really well and was just like a hot-button issue. It was like everybody had to see it because everybody had an opinion on it, and I think that still is the most divisive one where people either love it or hate it. Um, and then with Solo... 
I mean, I've I've talked to a few people who didn't really like it or weren't super impressed with it, but, you know, nobody is writing Ron Howard angry letters and saying that he ruined the franchise and, you know, giving him all this hate like people were with Ryan Johnson. Um, and I've known a lot of fans, like, I when I was at uh, Phoenix Comic Fest a few weeks ago, I got to talk to um, some Star Wars artists there and stuff, and, I mean, everybody I talked to that was a big Star Wars fan seemed to just love the movie, and I talked to a lot of people that, you know, were kind of on the same level you guys were, where I was like, yeah, man, that was really good, and they were like, dude, that was like, you know, it felt like George Lucas directed that, it felt like the original trilogy, and I was like, wow, that's, you know, high praise coming from a lot of people, Um but I don't know, for some reason it just seems to have not really connected with general audiences all that well. Um, and I don't know if it's because of, like, the production problems and people just assumed it wasn't going to be very good, or if the fact that it's, you know, just a Han Solo spinoff and it's not really connected to uh, to Rogue One or to Episode Eight or anything like that, that maybe people just weren't as invested in it. Um, and maybe it just kind of got lost in the shuffle of all this, you know, big summer blockbusters. Um you know, maybe people are more used to Star Wars coming out in December by now, and, you know, people were f starting to feel a little bit of Star Wars overload with it coming to six months after uh, The Last Jedi. Um, and I also, I mean, it's hard, it's not hard to believe that, like, the, maybe some of the negative reaction from The Last Jedi could have hurt the movie as well, um, with some people still kind of feeling let down by that so i don't know it could be a multitude of all these factors but regardless i mean as it sits right now the movie's been out what like three weeks has it been three weeks already yeah 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 and it's at um currently sitting at 178 million dollars uh domestic and the uh another 136 million um from overseas so about 300 million total which, again, is not terrible, but, I mean, The Force Awakens made more than that in its opening weekend, so, you know, <laughs> people certainly had higher expectations for Star Wars. Um, yeah, for a and, Star Wars movie, it's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's kind of sad to see it struggle like that, but it's it'll be interesting to see the way that Disney responds and uh, see if this changes anything for their plans going forward. Um, I think, if anything, I I would say... For me personally, I think they should stick to December releases. I think six months between Star Wars movies might be a bit much for some people. Um, and I don't know if this is a one-off or if that'll continue to be a trend. But, I mean, I don't know. Because with you know Marvel, sometimes they put out two or three movies a year. But I think there's just something special about Star Wars that like it's, it's a big event kind of thing. And you go for you know these epic stories and stuff. And then once it's out, I mean, we want to keep going and re-watching it five or eight times and you know get to kind of digest it and so i wouldn't mind them being a bit more spread out but um i don't know what do you guys think about just kind of the overall reaction and seeing maybe where they go forward from here yeah it's kind of like another first for star wars i mean in this new era we i mean new things have happened to it like getting a movie every year getting a standalone movie and now we're going through our first star wars financial disappointment at the box office really that kind of feels weird to even be thinking that but it's the fact i mean there's no other way to look at it that it is disappointing at the box office and the disappointing thing about it for me is how excited i was afterwards and the potential for you know sequels with han and chewy and mm -hmm. following up on darth maul and kira and all that and to, to think that for a star wars movie that might not be the case but to me that never seemed like possible but here we are that a star wars movie is not doing good at the box office to maybe warrant 
a sequel or future stories with these characters. Like, it just seems so foreign and, you know, so, you know, something that I never expected would have happened with a Star Wars movie. But it's something we have to learn to deal with now. Just another thing to take in this new era of Star Wars. But at the same time, this is something as far as the next movie and moving forward. I think it's really a good thing now. And I'm sure Disney's happy that episode nine does not come out to another year and a half in December yeah. of 2019. I think they could really uh, just, I guess, fans and casual audiences just use this time to take a deep breath with Star Wars, have it laid low for a little bit. And then once we get to around the time of celebration, Chicago, get started that excitement about the final chapter in this new trilogy, get that gearing up. And by the time we hit December 2019, I think we're pretty much going to be back to where we were as far as anticipation level excitement and i think financially when it's all said and done what we're used to for a star wars movie and i think episode nine is going to be doing probably what the last jedi did because i don't think it's going to do anything close to the force awakens that was probably a one-time thing but it's i think it's going things are going to get back to normal a little bit with episode nine now regardless of how the film is and what fans think of it that's another story but as far as box office numbers and what we're used to for star wars movies i think and just the buzz surrounding it, I think we're going to be back to where we're familiar with with Star Wars. But um, I'm just curious to see what Disney and Lucasfilm is going to do for the movies going forward, because I'm sure they really would have loved to have something like Marvel, where they have a few Star Wars movies out every year. But at the same time, I think they're going to put the brakes on that a little bit and just kind of reevaluate things on what happened with Solo. I mean, not even just for how it, the response it got in the financial box office numbers that it took but just the production of it now you know they had to do the reshoots get a fire director get a new directors just to make sure that that doesn't happen again just i think solo is really going to be a lesson learned from lucasfilm on a lot of fronts to see what they're going to go about doing next with their standalone movies and spinoffs so it's going to be interesting but i think for the foreseeable future we're probably just be looking at one star wars movie of year one movie a year so but uh, maybe once they get more with Ryan Johnson's trilogy and Benioff and Weiss's planned film series, if those start to separate themselves even further than what we're used to in Star Wars and feeling really different. So maybe that way we'll get more than a year. But I think for the time being, it's going to be, you know, once a year, probably for the foreseeable future. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, to hear officially what's happening after episode nine. Because right now, like I said, it's good that we're going to have that break. But once episode nine comes and hopefully we'll find out, I think we will before the actual movie is out, we'll know what's coming next and we'll just have that excitement back again. At least that's what I'm hoping for just to get that. I mean, I have it, but it's more fun when most star Wars fans of the star Wars community are feeling that excitement and buzz surrounding new movies. Cause you know, mm -hmm. that's sadly, that's not where it's at right now. And it takes a little bit of the fun out of enjoying this, these getting new star Wars movies. So Hopefully this is just an aberration and not the future of everything that's supposed to come out. Well, and if I may, we're talking about Marvel and, and multiple movies a year. I think one of the things you have to take into account is that you can't Marvel doesn't spend an astronomical amount of money on every Marvel film. That's the whole thing they've kind of they've they've figured out the formula for them to make. I mean, they're expensive movies to make, but they're not breaking the bank making them either ant-man wasn't a super expensive movie in comparison to the avengers or some of these other um superhero big budgeted uh movies one of the things that i'm wondering 
it, this kind of goes take you know is interesting with solo is what was the actual budget like what exactly were they doing because to me solo wasn't exactly like a it, it was the word I'm looking for it wasn't a spectacle huge movie like last Jedi or uh, the Force Awakens or even Rogue One, mm-hmm. it felt a lot smaller and condensed. And so because they had to you know, reshoot 70% or yeah. 80% of the movie, I mean, that's a whole different thing, which, again, baffles me that movies as good as it is with being reshot on a hectic schedule. Yeah. I mean, that is that is you got to give Ron Howard kudos no matter what, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He saved that movie. And, and it's amazing what we got. But what I guess what I'm trying to say is. You can do multiple films a year, people. The problem is you can't spend, you know, a four, a three hundred million dollar. Um, you can't spend three, three fifty to make the movie or whatever, and expect to get that return. You know, multiple times a year, you have to get a little bit lower, one hundred fifty million. And that's the thing. Think of something like Kenobi. If you're filming in a desert. You're not going to need – it's not going to be a high-budgeted movie, I would assume. I mean – You would think, ex- yeah. You, you would think, of course, but you never know. I, mean, I don't work in the industry, so I don't know. But I would think it wouldn't be as expensive as something else like, you know, again, make a smaller kind of film where you're not blowing, you know, the doors off the bank because you're like, we got to borrow a lot of money. It's a new Star Wars movie. You know, no, we don't have to do that. And I think that's the thing that, that again – I don't know if it goes back on leadership or what, but you've got to realize that you can do different kinds of Star Wars films, but you can't expect the huge spectacles, you know, every single time you go there. You got to, the audience needs to kind of, you know, relax a little bit. And as far as solo, and I'm going to wrap this up really fast for you guys because I know we have a lot to talk about. But in my opinion, the solo box office is a representation of a perfect storm going against it. There's a, I mean, yeah. you're also you're talking mm-hmm. about the, you know, Last Jedi divided the fan base let's be real whether you love it dislike it indifferent about it or whatever or you're schizophrenic on it like me because i go back and forth on it all the time i like the movie but i don't know if i love it or just think it's okay i go back and forth because i think it's not a bad movie but god i'm 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 sidetracking myself but you have that then you have the fact infinity war which by the way as of today just made two billion dollars in the box office. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Yeah. So you have Infinity War. It followed up Infinity War a few weeks later, which, by the way, at one point was going to be released two weeks later, which really would have killed it. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Stuck yeah. With that date. Jesus. <laughs> and then Deadpool, even I don't care if it's rated R. Deadpool took away a teenage audience from you. And you have and I remember I'll never forget when I went to saw a movie like the third or fourth time or whatever, I, there was a, a, a young couple, a teenage couple in front of me. And what were they going to go see? Deadpool. So to me, like it is the, the placement of this film, not just in the summer, but what it was around was a death sentence. It was a perfect mm-hmm. story. And I, th- and I think just to add to that, it's not just that those movies were taking away from the solo audience like in the week like the weeks when it came out because i mean it still easily was number one at the box office but i think the other thing you have to take into consideration too it's not everybody has money to spend to you know exactly. go see movies three weeks in a row and when you got all these big event movies kind of three movies in a row that are going to play to the same kind of uh crowd of like fans of comics and sci-fi and pop culture and that kind of stuff um 
you know, after, and, and I'm sure a lot of people probably saw Infinity War multiple times. I personally have, uh, still have yet to see Deadpool 2, but I definitely want to check that out. Um, but I mean, that did really well at the box office. And so after, you know, a lot of fellow nerds spending their money on, on Infinity War and then Deadpool and then Solo coming out right afterwards with, you know, like you said, kind of that perfect storm of all these different factors of the production problems and the divisiveness of The Last Jedi and it being six months right after another Star Wars movie and people having already spent a lot of money on summer movies so far, like it, there was probably just a lot of, you know, not negativity around the movie, but just kind of a lot of uh, indifference from audiences, I feel like. And I would throw in, too, to that perfect storm of things that went against it. The promotion for it was really late and in some mm-hmm. cases lackluster. I mean, yeah. you didn't get the first trailer till April, a month before it came out. And then the whole marketing, like they did with Force Friday for Force Awakens and Last Jedi, there was n- pretty much none of that for so. That was the most lackluster toy launch or merchandise launch so far for this new era of Star Wars movies. So I would throw that in there as another factor, just the promotion starting really late for it and not being as much as it could be. Yeah, and that also, is a good point. Because normally, I mean, with the movies that come out in December, like you get a trailer usually, I mean, we get our first teaser in like April, like yeah. around Celebration. Mm-hmm. And with Solo, I mean, they got a late start on it because obviously The Last Jedi just came out in December. Um, and they wanted to kind of let that take the spotlight and not distract everybody with, uh, you know, by starting to advertise solo already. I that think that was a mistake. Now. Yeah, I, I think that was that. a mistake because going back to Marvel, every time you see mm-hmm. a Marvel movie, there's yep. a trailer in front of it for the next Marvel movie. Yep. And also, let's not also forget the fact that it almost was like they were afraid to show you Alden as Han. And mm. which you know, again, made me a little bit nervous because everyone was like, I don't want to show you Han. And there was a little bit we saw was fine. They really needed to show more of Han because I feel Alden just was brilliant. And I really think that his charm and his charisma on screen would have sold the trailer even more. I know there's a lot to live up to as, you know, with Han Solo, but I think they should have, they really should have showcased him even more than what they did. I thought they did a disservice because I thought people were like, it's it's about Solo, but he's barely in the trailer, mm-hmm. you know, or he or he talks, you know, a little bit in it. But that's it. And, you know, that's a good point, because I will say he impressed me in the movie a lot more as on than I thought he would based on the trailer. Um, yeah, exactly. and I, I could kind of even say the same for Lando, too, because like I had high hopes for Lando just because I think Donald Glover is more established as an actor. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But we didn't really see much of him in the trailers either. And I feel like the trailer was almost kind of playing things close to the chest. Like we didn't really mm-hmm. know what to expect going into the movie. And I, I get that they don't want to put all their best cards on the table, like give away everything. And, you know, they're not going to show you all those big moments of Han meeting Chewie for the first time and stuff. And I feel like maybe because it wasn't as much of a big like action spectacle kind of movie like The Last Jedi and Rogue One and everything, like maybe there just wasn't they didn't have as many sort of money shots, if you will, to like put in the trailer and really sell yeah. people. Um, Cause I can definitely say this, the trailers for solo got me a lot less excited than any of the trailers for any of the previous movies. I agree. That's a good point. Um, Cal. And like, maybe like, cause I remember the first teaser for rogue one didn't get me all that excited either. But then the more stuff we saw ramping up to the movie, when you started seeing like the shots of the space battle and some of that kind of stuff um, and Vader, obviously, um, they they had more to kind of tease you with and more 
stuff that made for good trailers. And I feel like, again, not that Solo was a bad movie, but I just feel like it it was missing some of those big moments that make for really exciting grabs like in the trailer that make you go, whoa, I want to see more of that. I mean, they were really just kind of trying to sell you on the idea that it's young Han and Lando and Chewie and the Millennium Falcon, you know, all going on an adventure, um, which is great for Star Wars fans. But for general audiences, like you need to uh, kind of whet their appetite a little bit more to get their money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something where we knew we were going to have to expect that with getting a new Star Wars movie every year and all these projects they have in development. But at this point, four movies in, I'm not sure if the general audiences were ready for kind of a lower, like less eventful, like you were talking about, you know, these big cinematic set piece moments not happening in a Star Wars movie and that kind of taken away from the buzz around it where it does feel like a smaller self-contained movie than what we're used to, like you guys are mentioning, compared to Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi. I think probably we'll get there, but at this point in time, I think Star Wars is still expected to be this, you know, big event, you know, tentpole movie, but like you throw that in being mixed in with the other tentpole movies of the summer, like you guys mentioned, and just that, I don't know if the audience was ready to get that in a Star Wars movie this early on yet, but we, I think as fans kind of expected knowing getting all these movies every year, like I mentioned, and what's coming down in the future. So maybe eventually we'll get there kind of again, going back to the Marvel comparison where uh, they're how they got their movies every year and to going back to the marketing with it, you touched on it too, Kyle, bringing the trailer in or having a trailer for your next Star Wars movie is something I really hope they do moving forward for the next standalone movie or another project that's not going to be as big a scale as the saga films or, or whatever the big movie is going to be in next in the Star Wars series. I'm glad to say saga, but again, episode nine is the last of the saga films that we know so far. So I don't know what to call everything else moving forward just yet, but to get to that point where you know each Star Wars movie isn't going to be the same and not have the same feel as like the big saga films. And hopefully that will be the case moving forward. And when it, they are those smaller type stories and self-contained and not these big moments, you would, try to promote those more with your big star wars movie to get more people aware that like we were talking about how solo should have been attached the first trailer should have been with the last jedi so like i said earlier it's going to be interesting to see how lucasfilm responds moving forward and if they do some of these different things that we're mentioning here to try to keep this from happening again when you have a smaller type star wars movie like solo going forward mm-hmm I yeah, you feel weird calling Solo small because it is not. But when you compare it to the other one, it is. Yeah, yeah, comparatively it yeah. is. And you know, Paul, when you were talking about the budget for it, like I don't know what their budget was, but it definitely feels like a lower budget Star Wars movie. But I'm sure it wasn't because they probably had to spend a crap ton of money on reshoots because they had to reshoot so much of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how this affects sort of their strategy going forward. I mean, we were talking about how we thought there was potential for a solo sequel um, and how, you know, that's probably up in the air now. Um, but even, you know, plans that, you know, we'll talk about some of the speculation in a little bit for even like Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and some of the other stole- standalone films um, that we've heard about. Like, are they going to kind of chalk this up to just being that sort of perfect storm of things that we talked about um, with this movie? Or is this going to make them maybe lose faith in the idea of doing like sort of character centric spinoffs focused on just one character that maybe is not enough to carry a whole movie or a whole franchise? Um, Which I hope not. But 
I don't, I'll be lying if I say that's not a slight concern I have right now. Yeah. It has to be for them to at least to think about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so very interesting days ahead and we'll see, you know, sort of where all this leads. Um, yeah. Not I the mean, conversation I'm, I expected to be having about a Star Wars movie to be on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when we started but, the podcast. But. You know what? I mean, it's one of those conversations that kind of has to be had at some point. Um, I mean, it would have been nice if every movie just knocked it out of the park. But it's like, I think this is going to be a good learning experience for them to be mm. like, okay, where do we go from here? Because I definitely don't think this is like going to spell doom for the franchise. I think episode nine oh, no. especially is still going to do very well because you have a lot of people who are invested in, uh, you know, the new stories of Ray and Kylo Ren and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this affects sort of going forward with the, the star Wars story films and with the new trilogies that they're working on and all that kind of stuff. Um, so brief note to add on that um, related to solo. We also have, uh, news on the uh, Solo A Star Wars Story novelization, which, oddly enough, is not coming out until September. Um, so if you're looking for that, that is going to be on shelves uh, September 4th. Um, and then also uh, the first issue of the Beckett spinoff comic is going to be on sale in August 2018. Um, is that a one-shot, Tim? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is? So huh. Yeah, just a one-shot. Okay. I just saw it says Beckett number one, so I, I thought they would follow that up with a number two or something. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, you guys will be happy to know I read that, uh, finally started reading the Vader comic series. Oh, thank um, God. That was nice. good. <laughs> that was good. I enjoyed that. So I might be picking up more issues of that. We'll yeah. have to have a future episode about this. Hmm? <laughs> Oh, yes. And it just gets, you know, continues on that first yes. good story arc. It doesn't like falter at all. It's it keeps consistently going, being good. You know? Nice. Um, yeah. So I that's. I real, real oh, quick, go ahead. Beckett cover art. I mean, how cool is that art with Emphis Ness's helmet in the background? I love yeah. that cover. You love Emphis Ness? <laughs> Have I made that clear? I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm right there with you, Tim. That is a freaking cool character design. Oh, I agree. It's awesome. No arguments here. Yeah, just I mean, I I would say her introduction scene is one of my favorite parts of that movie. Oh yeah, it, it was great, and then uh, just again, what how they expanded the character just made her even better than I ever thought. With her band of marauders being having a part of their own rebel cells is so so good, mm -hmm. and that's why with this comic announcement, it's going to be interesting to see you know where if this is going to begin the feud that she had with Beckett. And his crew, or unless it was already established here, and if it is, it would just be cool to kind of see some of their early skirmishes that they had against each other. And I'm wondering, too, if in this comic we'll see Tobias Beckett's push of Aura Singh. <laughs> I was just thinking that. No, Seems like the perfect place yet. to tell that story. I don't think so. Could be wrong. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, going back to... Uh, movies for a second here um and we kind of mentioned this a minute ago um but there was a big rumor going around uh and i think this actually came out like the day before uh solo was released this is from may 24th this article on hollywood reporter yeah, it was actually the thursday night mm -hmm. yeah saying that uh there is a star wars boba fett movie in the works with james mangold attached to direct um again nothing confirmed by lucasfilm um, these are the same guys that were breaking the story, like, back sometime last year, saying that, um, that, uh, Obi-Wan movie was officially in development. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what to make of this, 
because at the time I thought with the Obi-Wan thing, I'm like, oh, that's totally got to be legit. It makes a lot of sense. It's something that the fans want. Ewan McGregor has said that he would be on board with that for a long time. I still think it's very possible that they're still developing that behind the scenes and just haven't been ready to make an announcement yet. But I do think it's odd that, um, you know, even though that story gained so much traction at the time that we still haven't heard anything official about it, I'm like, well, was that actually legit or were they just hearing rumors or maybe they were working on it at the time and maybe things have gone south or maybe they've rearranged their priorities. Who knows? Um, but now kind of same deal with the Boba Fett movie here. I mean, this is coming from more credible sources than just random, you know, people on the Internet spreading rumors and stuff. And um, I mean, this isn't even like a leak from, you know, some of the more reputable Star Wars fan sites. I mean, this is like the Hollywood reporter who's known for, you know, breaking stories on um, inside scoops on, on movies and Hollywood and that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, this sounds legit and I don't know about you guys, but I think James Mangold would be an excellent choice to direct this. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> but then at the same time, I mean, I, I think I'm a little bit more hesitant to believe this now after, you know, the, the box office problems of Solo, not that they still can't do this. And I think that would be something that a lot of people would be interested in. I just am less eager to be like oh yes this is definitely happening i'm more like eh, okay let's let's wait and see what they do um because i mean first of all i was thinking if solo was successful you know there was a lot of room for like sure they could do a boba fett spinoff movie but also it was kind of hinting at a potential sequel for a han solo movie where they go to tatooine and meet up with job of the hut and his crew and i'm like well you could just have boba fett be a main character in that movie and he could get a lot more screen time than he did in the original trilogy without needing his own standalone film. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of separate, you know, just standalone Boba Fett stories you could tell as well. But again, yeah, you know, now there's that question of, well, how much faith are they going to continue to have in just these one-off movies, um, you know, led by just a single character when you're used to Star Wars being such a, a wide ensemble cast where people have, you know, so many different characters that they love and relate to. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people love Han, but there's also a lot of people that love, you know, Luke and Ray and like Han's not everybody's favorite character. So maybe that was, you know, another thing that just kind of led to, you know, there being not as much interest as they expected. So, um, you know, are they going to have those same fears with, uh, with Boba Fett and with Obi-Wan and all these other characters? But, um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about this? I think the Boba Fett announcement was surprising uh, James Mangold, Mangold, whatever you want to, however you pronounce it, he's an interesting choice. Uh, I'm a fan of his films. I I love Walk the Line. I haven't seen 310 to Yuma, which, but I know a lot of people. Um, that is really that, good. That's a great movie. Um, I I loved I, I I liked the Wolverine. I liked Logan. I didn't love Logan like everyone else did. I felt which Logan is surprising. Was, yes, <laughs> it was. It was. Um, you know, but but that being said, um. I, I, you know, I think with the with the, I just I just don't think you can really correlate the success of the or the lack of success of the, at the box office for Solo with potential future Solo, uh, excuse me, standalone films because it's Rogue One did so well and Solo had a lot riding against it. I mean, and again, that perfect storm idea, mm -hmm. and Boba Fett is, and I, I think they can learn a lot from Solo. To be honest, well, one of the things I think that they that Solo did that is people aren't really maybe considering is it's it's building up the underworld, and it's still you know it's not, it's not like no one saw this movie. People went and saw it, 
And the P- general audience is now familiar with, with again, the Hut Cartel, Crimson Dawn, all that stuff. So, I mean, like, it's uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of go, okay, like, it's, it, you know, you can kind of build off the underworld idea. <clears throat> and I think that with Boba Fett, again, you could probably do some really cool action scenes with this character. And I don't, I personally don't think that this character is going to be, or Boba Fett's going to be the main character. I think it's going to be, he's going to be one of the main characters, but not the main character. So that being said, I, I feel that it's going to be, it's going to be interesting what they do. I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential of fun in this movie. And I think a lot of visuals you could sell to a general audience, Boba Fett, whether you like him or hate him or whatever, he's one of the most visually um, recognizable Star Wars characters out, bar mm-hmm. none. You show Boba <laughs> Fett, everyone knows Star Wars. You know, Solo, it's kind of like, huh? Like, it's it's a weird sell. You say Boba Fett and you show a, a visual, done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it. So I feel like there's going to be a connection with the mainstream audience immediately with Boba Fett that you wouldn't have necessarily with another household name like Solo because of the, this simply of his visuals yeah i would agree with that i mean i think han solo is probably a more recognized character by name um and people are probably more familiar with his role in the movie but i think i think boba fett's gonna sell more action figures i think he's gonna make for cooler shots in a trailer um you know as yeah. opposed to just han and chewie standing back to back firing their blasters you know you can show off boba fett flying around on his jetpack shooting his flamethrower shooting rockets just walking across the screen in his cool looking armor like there's a lot more sort of dynamic stuff you can do visually with that um to i think you know sell the movie and get people excited and i'm not saying that this is automatically going to flop just because solo didn't do well i'm just saying that's something that they're obviously going to have to take into account um, I'm not saying that they should give up on it and I hope they don't. I'm just saying like they're, I, I think they're going to have to take a good hard look at what they're doing now. Um, because they don't want to repeat that failure. No, definitely. But man, when I got this news, cause I literally found out about it waiting in line to get into the theater and <laughs> see solo. And it was like the perfect news for me to get at that time, because I'm sure I've said it before on or way back earlier podcasts when we first learned about standalone movies. Boba Fett was on the top of my list of what I wanted to see. And we knew that it was on Lucasfilm's priority to make a Boba Fett movie too. And that the reports were Josh Trank was going to do it. And we all know what happened with him. And so it got pushed back and almost to a point where I've started wondering, where is it on Lucasfilm's slate? Like how much of a priority do they have in it now? So just to hear that when I saw this report that it's, you know, back in, you know, the, I guess the rumor mill, for lack of better words, of Star Wars projects and circulation. But I do think, coming from the Hollywood Reporter, this is as legit as it's going to get, unless it's on StarWars.com. Because, to me, it's only a matter of time before we get the official announcement, if everything still works out. But, you know, still, I was just excited to get news on a Boba Fett movie in general. But then you throw in that James Mangold is going to write and direct it. I mean, he wasn't a name I would have thought of right away. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, he'd be great for it. I mean... Mm-hmm just love what he did with Wolverine as a character. I mean, he can kind of, not that they're similar characters, but he can kind of put Boba Fett in the same area where he's almost as iconic as Wolverine in Star Wars, where he's, you know, regarded as one of the cooler characters in the franchise by a lot of fans. And what James Mangle did with Wolverine, as far as really getting into, you know, the personal issues that Wolverine had and just really get to the heart of the character, I think, 
to get that with Boba Fett would be awesome. And I think you can do that. And I know there's a lot of fans out there who don't think a Boba Fett movie is, is warranted or that he's not a character who can sustain his own movie or what kind of characterizations and story you can do with him. But I think there's a lot. I mean, just the idea of him trying to live up to the legacy of his father, Jango Fett, and the idea of him coping with that, depending on what time period it takes place. I'm hopefully it's early on. Just dealing with the idea that, you know, his face is not unique where there's tons of clones out there still, maybe not as active, obviously, in the Clone Wars, but there's the old, there's not just one person who looks like him in the galaxy. And that could be a reason why I would think they might go this route, go back to where Boba Fett's helmet is his face and just to have him kind of come to terms with all that and how he grows out the bounty hunter and as a character. And I just think can make for some great and cool stuff with him with James Mangold behind the script and directing. So I'm just really excited that, you know, hopefully this is pretty soon in the near future as far as new Star Wars films. You got this and Obi-Wan as far as the standalone films. And I couldn't ask for two more of that. I'd want to see more than those two characters. So, yeah, I'm really excited by just the idea that it's back as far as hearing about it. The creative director and writer behind it with James Mangold and just the possibilities that James Mangold can bring to the character of Boba Fett and just add more to what I love about the character in general. So I'm excited about it. The only thing that I get tired of hearing about (laughs) whenever the Boba Fett movie comes up is casting choices. Who's going to play Boba Fett? I wonder who they're going to get. You don't need to get it when you have someone. It's Temi Morrison. I mean, even if, like I said, they go the route where he's not going to remove his helmet at all. He wants to really take that as his identity. You still get Tim Morrison to do the voiceover for Boba Fett. So like casting shouldn't even be an issue about who's going to play Boba Fett. So that's one thing that gets annoying from time to time is hearing reports like, who should they get to play Boba Fett? Or even with this, they should ignore episode two and the backstory that came. It's the only way it can be as successful. I'm like, no, it's the backstory we got from episode two is why I'm so excited for this movie and what it could mean for the character as Boba Fett to have him grow even more. So yeah, hopefully, you know, it's something we hear about officially from Lucasfilm pretty soon, maybe at Celebration Chicago, I think would be the perfect time to mm-hmm. get this officially announced and bring James Mangold out on the stage to talk about it. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> really excited for it as far as the possibilities of what we can get with the Boba Fett movie. It's and, just, and, for me, about time. <laughs> and really fast, you make, you make a great point or you made a great point earlier, Tim, when you said, you know, you you can make it where the helmet is his face. And there's that great panel that I love from Twin oh, Engines of I know where you're going. The Dark yeah. <laughs> comic by uh, Andy, Mang- Andy Mangles. And he said, and he, uh, Boba Fett looks at Dengar, because Dengar says something about, you know, you have to hide that ugly face of yours. And then he looks at Dengar and said, this is my face. And it is so Boba Fett. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that line needs to be in the movie if it is. So. I, uh, I, will, I, will, I will weep if it's not in there. <laughs> it would be a missed opportunity for some really cool Boba Fett dialogue, I would agree. <laughs> well, and I will say, if they somehow make a movie where he doesn't take off his helmet the entire time, then yeah, I would agree. Like, you just get Tamora Morrison to do the voice again, and that's it. Um, as far as casting someone, like, if they do show his face, see, you could go with him if they're going to do, like, a story about a slightly older Boba Fett, especially if it's, like, set during the time of the original trilogy or even if they want to do a story about him escaping the Sarlacc pit Mm -hmm. and maybe have him around in between six and seven. I would love to see a a Boba Fett movie set kind of around the time of the Han Solo film um, and see him 
kind of halfway in between like where we see him in Clone Wars and where <clears throat> where we see him in the original trilogy, kind of already established and like a successful bounty hunter, but still kind of trying to make a name for himself as like the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and one thing I would absolutely love to see as just a potential idea for this movie, live action Cad Bane. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> like, And you could even do, you know, there was that story arc in Clone Wars that they never got to finish. And that, yeah. I mean, we've seen um, sort of those unfinished story reels at celebrations and stuff where, um, you know, Boba and Cad, where you see Boba and he's still only, you know, like 13 or something, but he's like got the armor now. Um, and, you know, him and Cad Bane are going at it and they have like a shootout and you don't see who won. Um, just like do that storyline, but set it like another five or 10 years further ahead in the future. Um, and have him be a little bit older and have him be, you know, kind of more fully established, but you know, Cad Bane could be kind of this old mentor to him or even like an old rival that he maybe hasn't come across in a while. Um, and then just kind of have them have like a final showdown where he kind of takes the mantle from Cad Bane of, um, kind of like the most notorious bounty hunter in the galaxy. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, I was kind of thinking similar on those lines because, you know, some of the big story arcs in the Clone Wars that we haven't gotten yet haven't been adapted to comics or novels. And I just, when I think of stuff like that, like Siege of Mandalore and even this Boba Fett arc, I just can't help but think that maybe they have bigger plans for those stories, which is why we're not getting those adapted into comics or novels or whatnot. And that last arc with Boba Fett with him and Cad Bane, I can't help but think like you were talking about, Kyle, where even if it's, like you said, pushed up a little later in the timeline or maybe we get a flashback, like, like that is the moment where he first donned his armor and he takes down Cad Bane. Just, I just have a feeling Cad Bane is going to play a role in here and that arc, certain elements of it could make for, you know, a cool Boba Fett movie in telling his story in this time period. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I'm actually would kind of hope for that <laughs> because, I mean, with getting a live action Darth Maul again, I mean, anything's on the table from getting <laughs> some characters we've only seen in animation in movies now. Like, I think Cad Bane would be a really cool choice to bring in as far as the next character to do that with. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think really fast. I think they're like I said. I think it's gonna be like a like a you know, either he's protecting someone. They're gonna have to make him a hero. I think he's gonna be like an anti-hero. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a thing. I would agree. And and also again going back to Alden, I don't you know he's got a three film contract. Who's to say that he's not? It may not be a direct sequel, which I still want a direct sequel. But I think he can make if there's a Boba Fett movie going to be made, he's going to make an appearance. There's no doubt because you want to build off the mystique of their relationship. Yeah, there is. Well, I'm assuming there's a relationship between the two of them, but maybe there's not. I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see if they're un, they have an uneasy alliance at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be very interesting to see. Um, I mean, I think there's certainly potential for Boba to kind of be like maybe one of those sort of morally ambiguous characters where even though he seems like a villain in, um, you know, in the original trilogy, like he is not always necessarily on the wrong side of things. Yeah, you know, you have a code that he goes by. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Kind of push him over the as a straight up villain. Like maybe even establish the fact that Jabba's done something for him so he feels an obligation to him. And that's why you yeah. know he's with them, and and there maybe he did he helped him out somewhere, you know, some way or something like that. That would be interesting. It would be cool to see Boba Fett not just be like, "I'm a bounty hunter. I'm just going to destroy everything," and that you know, blah 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 blah. Because Definitely. there is, because I think in the Clone Wars, you, you, there is they do give him some emotional depth that like is interesting, and the fact that you had Aura Singh like teach him and like kind of basically be an abusive mother figure towards him. So. 
there's it's it's there's some cool things you can do with the character. I know a lot of fans. I've seen not a lot of fans, but some fans out there have been have been critical and not been super excited about a Boba Fett movie. And I just disagree with them because I think Boba Fett's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. what you said right there, as far as some people thinking, oh, I'm both, I'm just a bounty hunter and I capture and kill people. I think that's what a lot of people think all he is when in actuality, there's just so much more to the character for all the reasons we talked about of the possibilities they can do with this movie. Why I think it could be really successful, even if, you know, it is just focused on Boba Fett. There's just a lot you can do with that character. Yeah. And I think James Mangold, again, would be an excellent choice mm-hmm. to kind of throw some surprises in there and bring some surprising, you know, depth to that character. Totally. Yeah. Man, I'm excited just talking about it. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not too far off. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too long before we get an official announcement on Boba Fett or Obi-Wan or whatever is coming next after episode nine. Cause we know they got stuff in the works. Um, and it's just a matter of time before we find out what that is. Um, so moving on from that, um, also, I guess the day before that, because this is from May 23rd, um, they made an official announcement on when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is going to be opening up to the public. Um, and it's going to be open in summer of 2019 at Disneyland in California, and then it's going to open late fall 2019 at Disney World in Florida. Um, so I guess just about a year from now. Um, we'll be able to go check that out. I'm still dreading what the lines are going to be like when that thing opens. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't wait to go and check that out. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to have to make a trip out there and uh, get to just immerse ourselves in, uh, you know, a, a full Star Wars theme park. That's going to be so cool. So I was just going to say, can I expect to see you guys next summer in 2019? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. The Disneyland one was going to be first before the Disney World, but now we have a time period, which is summer and obviously fall for Disney World. And um, I'm wondering just how much these played a role in, you know, the location of Celebration, because as we talked about in our episode, it was just you and me, Paul, about Celebration being in Chicago. And we didn't know when or we didn't have this information as far as when Galaxy's Edge was coming. And we always assumed that celebration would be next to one of these <laughs> would be in florida or anaheim to coincide with the openings of galaxy's edge so i just wonder if timing wise just it didn't work out where they wanted to have celebration earlier in the year and but uh, galaxy's edge wouldn't be ready by then so um unfortunately it didn't work out that way at least for me being in anaheim wanting celebration closer but <laughs> i mean still exciting that we now know when we can expect to see galaxy's edge and be immersed in it like you said kyle but yeah man i can't imagine what those lines are going to be like but i'm sure uh, the little bit uh, we get to experience no matter how long we have to wait it's going to be worth it because it's looking really really cool mm-hmm. so a, a, a friend of mine who i will let it be unnamed because they probably would be embarrassed so that's how they are but uh they had a good point uh explaining to me that you don't want to go right away you want to look because there's going to be a lot of kinks the, in this and how they run things and how yeah. not just how insane it's going to be, but how they run things and things like that. And they said to wait and give it some legitimate time before, you know, you know, that's, it's always best to kind of let it, let it settle, let them figure out what the problems are. And then after that, then go in. So, because for me, the problem is, and I know you guys aren't probably going to go, but I'm going to go to Chicago uh, celebration. And it's going to be, you know, pretty hefty for me. Uh, so 
I pretty much know like I'm not gonna be able to go to Galaxy's Edge until probably the ne- probably the next year, which is gonna suck. Don't, don't get me wrong. I want to go down and with you guys and hang out and and do that right afterwards. But the wife uh, put the kibosh on that probably. So, <laughs> but you know, but with celebration, I'm really excited. Um, this could be my last celebration. I'm not sure yet, but. You know, with Galaxy's Edge, it's, it's always it's it's just started, and then, like I said, I want to see it like get the kinks out. Let's get the let's get it running pretty well, and we'll kind of go from there. So for me, I, I'm don't, don't get me wrong, I I cannot wait. And when I go down, I'm gonna try to make you guys, you bozos, come with me. So you know, Not we'll question. figure. <laughs> yeah, so we'll figure this out. But yeah, I, I, it's gonna be hard for me to make it down this year, unfortunately. Yeah, like you said, the good thing, it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going anywhere as well. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying about not going right when it opens. The problem is, I mean, the crowd is not going to thin out anytime soon. So it's like you can wait a year, two years. You're still going to be waiting like in line for three hours for that Millennium Falcon ride. True. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, like, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to try to go to Celebration next year. But, I mean, it's definitely less likely than it would have been had it been in Anaheim and you know, that's what I was hoping for was that it would be back there again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of weighing my options right now between like, do I still try to go to celebration or do I just save up my money and make a trip to uh, Disneyland instead um, for the, the big star Wars opening, which is what I'm kind of leaning towards right now. I mean, even if it's big and hectic and crazy, it's just cool to be a part of something like that with a bunch oh, of star Wars sure. fans. So, Hey, if, um, if, if my wife would let me, I'd be there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think too, even if the lines are long, just being in that atmosphere, being on a Star Wars planet, it's going to make it, you know, like you're not even <laughs> waiting online, just being so immersive and how you're into the Star Wars universe. I'm sure that's what they're shooting for because I know that's what they're expecting. So that's true. It, sh- it should be somewhere where you're just in awe of what you're seeing, at least on the first few visits that you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we got the movies, we got the Galaxy's Edge. Let's talk Star Wars Battlefront, um, because, man, there has been quite a bit of news regarding this lately. In fact, you know, before we get to Battlefront, let's briefly touch on the other Star Wars gaming news. Um, there was, of course, this whole week E3's been going on, um, and EA does their own, like, EA Play event, so they made all their big announcements about all their new games and stuff. Um, and so we got a, uh, I guess kind of an official announcement, even though it wasn't really part of their press conference, it was more just kind of a side note. Um, but the announcement of the Star Wars game that Respawn is working on, um, and it's called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and kind of as we had heard before, like it's going to be a, uh, kind of an action lightsaber combat focused game, um, set during the dark times between episodes three and four. And I'm sorry, can I, can I take just a moment to gripe about how cringy that moment in the press conference was when (laughs) like where the, it was weird because the, I mean, you had like the announcer girl or whatever who went up into the audience and was like interviewing the guy from respawn. And I'm like, have either of these people watched star Wars before? Like, Yes, they um, come on. Yeah, they just well, okay. They didn't strike me as like the hardcore fans, and maybe I'm being super nitpicky. I am, but I'm I'm gonna be nitpicky for a second. When she goes, when is the the game set? And he said like, oh, it's set during the dark times. And she's like, oh, so for all the hardcore nerds who want to know like what years that is, like what movies is that set between? I'm like, the hardcore nerds already know that. <laughs> <laughs> you mean for the normal people at home, tell them what movies that's set between? We all know when the dark times are. <laughs> Don't insult me. <laughs> I just 
for me, I'm just used to that crap, so I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever. I mean, I she's, she's got to do it for the, my yeah, eyes. She, I think what she meant to say for the non-hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think that's what she probably did meant to say, but then kind of just got distracted or or whatever. Because he because he seemed like he you know he seemed pretty like in, in know what, what's going on, but uh, but yeah, continue, Kyle. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't reveal too many details beyond that, aside from um, just the fact that, I mean, you'll get to play as a Jedi, have a lightsaber, it's set during this time when the Jedi are being hunted, um, especially after reading that, la- that that Vader comic, I think there will probably be a lot of uh, Inquisitors for you to fight in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And some special troopers. I know you're not at this arc yet, Kyle, but there's some cool stuff with some Inquisitor troopers coming up, for hey, which I go. really hope's in the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's kind of intriguing. Like on the one hand, I was not super thrilled about that announcement, just because again, it's like oh, we've gotten so much stuff set in between Episode three and four, or like around the time period of the original trilogy. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, that would be an interesting time period to have a uh, you know a, a sort of action combat lightsaber game set because i mean aside from like the old republic there's not really i I mean in the old republic you could do a game where there's just jedi and sith running around everywhere but obviously they haven't really touched that time period yet in sort of the new disney era of these stories um with the the new stuff though i mean obviously during the prequels you just had uh you know dooku and maul and and grievous um, but to actually get to do a game where there's a lot, like a lot of lightsaber dueling taking place and have it actually be part of a story that makes sense. That's actually a good time to, a good time period to set it. And now that they've got the introduction of these inquisitors and you can add, you know, who knows how many just random, you know, dark side force users that aren't that powerful and doesn't feel like, oh, well, you know, where was this guy when Darth Vader was running around? Um, just kind of these background, <laughs> like dark acolyte guys that are going to make for good video game enemies. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be fun. And they said, um, you know, again, it was just kind of like a side note to this press conference. And they said um, next year is when they're really going to kind of have the big reveal of this. And the, um, the game is slated for release um, around the holiday season of 2019. So um, we're not really going to get to see that anytime soon. But we're knowing that it's out there and they've got an announcement on it. And it sounds like things are going better for this game than they did for the uh um blanking on the name of the studio but you know yeah yeah the visceral game that was supposed to be kind of like the uh the they still have a studio that's the thing (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) yeah exactly um so hopefully this one stays on track and we'll get to uh, have some fun lightsaber action to play with uh around the holidays next season or next year well to talk about you know this video game because I know there are a lot of people a little disappointed that it wasn't that it's in the dark times again like around the new hope era and one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on is the fact that what exactly is Lucasfilm doing with with this with their other properties outside this main timeline it seems very obvious to me that something's going on. There's it's, it's a couple different ways you can look at this, you know, because for me, I'm excited for whatever. I mean, I'm I'm definitely like, okay, uh, oh, something New Hope era. Haven't seen that before. Whatever, you know. Yeah, we, me, Tim, you, we've all complained about it. But one of the, what we and I in our text, you know, message group, we always text in. I was saying this the other day was, what exactly does this mean? Because 
what is Lucasfilm doing? Are they, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it like either Lucasfilm has a plan for a, the different eras, like the old Republic or, and I say old Republic as a, as a, as a, just basically saying in the way in the past, right. Mm-hmm. Formation of the Republic. Like when, when Palpatine says it in attack of the clones, um, or no, what's his name? The guy from, uh, Naboo. The guy, yeah, you must contact me. He says, "Has been a war of a racial republic." Blah, blah, blah. You know that whole. <laughs> so, you know, there's that whole kind of timeline, if you will. You know, or tales of the Jedi, whatever. Something that kind of goes into the, the past of the Jedi. Um, oh, again, old republic, just for lack of a better term. And you think because the fans, the heart, you know, people who are video game players, you know, like us now, or I guess I consider myself a gamer a little bit, barely. But we all would like, you know, something different, you know, something with Jedi, something that's a different kind of narrative story that we can really dig our teeth into. And either Lucasfilm has a plan for this and they're saving it or they're afraid to do it and they want to go with with uh, what's safe or it's EA or it's kind of a combination of both. And it's just interesting to think about which one it could be, because I feel it's a little bit of everything. I think there's trepidation to go outside, the, the, you know, what's kind of selling them right now, and to do that because you're gonna, it's a, it's a, it takes a lot. I mean, there is, there's fans out there who eat up the old Republic, you know, MMO game, and obviously people are clamoring for. They're still playing the old, the Tales of the old, or Knights of the old Republic from the original Xbox games. So, to me, it's something that you really. I, I think about like you know what exactly is the apprehension to go outside these timelines, and it, to me, it feels like there's apprehension, like they don't want to do it just yet. Maybe they, you know, again, maybe again, there, maybe there's movies being made by Ryan Johnson or the or the Game of Thrones guys or something. But it seems to me that there's they've got a plan for this stuff, and it, and they, they're not, they don't want to go outside that box just yet. But as far as Jedi Fallen Order. You know, it is interesting. I'm I'm kind of wondering what you guys think about this idea of you know, and I saw other people tweet about it as well. Is to have um, create a character that's not exactly canon, right? Like you you create hmm. your own character. You're a Jedi. Hmm. It, the the idea, everything is canon and essentially, but the story, actual story of what you create your character to be is not. It's just like you know, you're a regular Padawan on the run. That's, I think I saw that in, in the a tweet that you are a Padawan and yeah. um, you go out and you create, you know, there's different, you know, you can, and to me, that seemed like the best possible way you can be male, female, you can be any kind of, you know, different alien, you know, and, you know, height, weight, whatever. You can really customize your Jedi or whatever and really go and, and play that. Even though it's not quote unquote canon, you create a narrative story. You can create a, a very, uh, you know, store or create a story for yourself and immerse yourself in that story, even though and but even though it's elements of it could be canon, if you will, but not but not your specific story. That to me is the best of both worlds because people really want a story based game, and we mm. all love Knights of the Republic. So something like that to me, customization is huge for this next game. Well, I don't think this is going to be anything like Knights of the Old Republic. Just to throw that out there, I mean. A little bit of character oh, customization would be nice, but I think, I mean, the, it, the Respawn is not Bioware. This game is going to be a lot more action-focused and hopefully have a good story to it, but I don't think it's really going to be focused on, like, deep characterization and, and you know, different choices and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, 
would I love to see another type of game like that from Bioware? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Tim, were you going to say something about that? No, I was just going to, because you brought up some interesting points there, Paul, <laughs> on several things. But um, I think, see, I kind of agree with you both <laughs> on that aspect as far as what type of game it could be. I agree, Paul. The idea to create your own character, you know, choose whether you want to be male or female, that should be cool, whatever space, species you want to be, that type of customization. But like you were saying, Kyle, I don't think they're going to go to the full, you know, way that they would, Woodward Knights of the Republic game where you could choose light side or dark side you choose one of those paths but i do like the idea of kind of creating your own narrative with this game and it can kind of lead to something where to me it can kind of be like mass effect in a way where you create your own version of shepherd but at the same time there is a canon story for commander shepherd that you mm. follow so it could go somewhere in that route where you you just create the look of how your character wants to be but it follows a kind of a standard narrative that they can go with. So I think that would be pretty cool if they go that route, because it would be nice to get some more customizations, because I always like that in RPG games like Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic, just creating your own character, especially when you're doing it in the Star Wars universe. And even the old Jedi Knight, uh, Jedi Academy game had that, where you get to choose your own alien species that you wanted to be. So to get that again, I think would be cool. True. But I was really thinking about what you were saying, Paul, as far as the era that they decided to put this in regarding you know the dark times and i'm looking at it two ways where it is kind of hard to pinpoint what exactly is the reason because i could see ea maybe wanting to you know want to do something in the old republic era because they know the success of that era in the gaming community and they would kind of want to do that for this new game and i could see lucasfilm going mm, hold off on that just yeah we got plans so maybe kind of do it in the era we're familiar with but at the same time, too, I can kind of see EA wanting, not wanting to do that as well and kind of do things people are familiar with to play it safe um, with this, you know, first type of game that they're doing that's not a shooter like Battlefront and wanted to keep things a little familiar to fans and not having uh, to do something drastically different. But, um, so yeah, so it's kind of hard to say exactly what the reason could be because it could be both if, <laughs> if you really think about it and you look at the different viewpoints that Lucasfilm and EA can come from, you can see both reasons being accurate. So I don't know if we'll ever find that out. But for me personally, I would like it to be that Lucasfilm's telling them to hold off on doing that just yet because we have plans. Because, I mean, if we get new movies set in that era, I think that's, we talked about it a million times on this podcast, how us and a lot of people would look forward to seeing movies in that Old Republic era. So if mm. that's the case, then, yeah, I wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't mind having this game be in the dark times era so yeah just one of those things where i'm glad we just know what to expect more from this game we knew it was going to be a lightsaber combat game but now we got a title we got a time or we got an era that it's set in and we got a release date for it and i just felt that you know it was something ea had to do at this press conference it did seem a little thrown in probably at the last minute they probably realized you know if we just go in with Clone Wars uh, DLC information, while that's cool for us, it's probably not going to wow a lot of people. we got to have one more Star Wars announcement at this show. What can we do? Okay, let's just get the main developer from Respawn, put him in the crowd, <laughs> and just have him re announce the release date and the title of it. I mean, they didn't even bring him out on stage. They usually do that sometimes, where someone comes out from the development studio, they just quickly announce the title, the date, and you know what you can expect moving forward but they just did it real quickly where he was it was an audience interview pretty much so it did seem a little thrown in but at the same time 
I'll take what we can get at this point and just glad we have some knowledge of what to expect from this game. So just kind of at this point, looking forward to see what they reveal next, probably starting at next year in 2019. And I'm sure I'll have a big presence at next year's E3 where we'll get trailers and gameplay demos and all that to really get a feel to how this game's going to be. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But again, to get a new game that's going to deal with lightsaber combat should be really, really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that turns out. Um, all right, so let's shift our focus back to Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, and real quick, before we talk about the big news that they announced at uh, E3 as far as what's coming up later this year, let's talk about um, just kind of the recent stuff. Because um, we haven't really, well, I don't know, maybe you guys talked about this on one of the shows I wasn't on, but um, just kind of what they're doing right now with the game with the Han Solo season. Um, we actually just got the new content drop today with the uh, the second part of that season update that has the new stuff from the movie. Um, so now we've got uh, the new planet Kessel. Uh, Paul is just giddy with excitement because we've got extraction mode back. Um, <laughs> That's right. And we've got some new skins for Han and Lando and Chewie from the new movie, um, as well as a new version of the Millennium Falcon to play as. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul and I were actually just on playing a little Battlefront before we jumped on to start recording this. Um, but Paul, being such a big fan of the extraction mode, uh, what do you think of these new additions to, uh, the game for this season? Well, <clears throat> I've only played it for about an hour and, you know, a couple minutes with you and, and your dad, but, uh, yeah, the extraction is pretty cool. Um, I, I love the original extraction game, uh, as Tim and Kyle will tell you, they love squad you know fighter fighter squadron or whatever it is called now and uh and i just don't like it i just can't connect to it so now we can look forward to more conversations when we're playing together like paul you with us oh no he's doing extraction yeah (laughs) well and 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 i love extraction that's kind of like my go-to mode I, i just think it's a lot of fun and uh I, the one, there's a little bit there's a few differences with this one um before you could start and stop it with like you know with a little like hitting the x button now basically if there's if there's soldiers or rebels or if there's rebels that are around it it moves if you kill the rebels it stops and so you kind of do that and it's a lot of fun because if you have one person alive you can try to like stay alive and keep it moving and yeah so i i've had a blast with it and and kessel this looks incredible i mm-hmm. You know, I just think this this game doesn't get enough credit for looking just ridiculously amazing, in my opinion. And it's a little bit of a bummer because I really think this game is is not a bad game. And to and again, I I just I play it for my Star Wars experience. And if you love Star Wars, you're gonna love this game. And so yeah, I I just I think the Kessel just looks beautiful. And it's just I don't know, it's kind of surreal. Even though we've got Kessel in in Rebels, it's really cool to see Kessel like being like finally in canon, shown what it what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like we're mm, we're actually yeah. getting the idea. You know, we talked a little bit about the in the solo stuff. Sorry, my dog is I think just barfed up water. Um, so <laughs> sorry. Um, but no, like I this you know knowing the Ma and things like that. But like it, this in the Battlefront game. Like, it's just cool to see the surroundings and how cool it looks. And, like, Kessel is kind of – it looks like what I thought it would be, even before the, the Rebels uh, episode where they go to Kessel. Um, I really feel it kind of – it feels like Kessel to me. It looks like it's, you know, the slaves and all that stuff. It's just really cool. I And, and the game really hits up on that. 
And I think like it's a bummer because you're in like the caves a lot of times for Kessel. But when you finally get out and you're in the extraction mode of where the where the ship is, it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. It makes me wish that you could be outside a little bit more because it looks that good. Yeah. But you know what? I would say even with the interior part with the caves and everything, I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought it would. I was a little worried that it was going to feel maybe too similar to like the mine on Crate um for like the the smaller blast map on there where you inside the cave um and even some stuff like uh you know it just has a little bit of a similar landscape to like Tatooine or Sullust or you know some other places that we've seen before like it's it's not the most visually unique and so I was like is this really going to feel like a fun and unique map that you know is a, a actual good addition to the game aside from just being kind of some necessary like solo tie-in marketing um but i i really enjoyed it and i think it looks fantastic and i think they did a good job making it look straight out of the movie and making it look like something new and exciting and something that kind of differentiates itself from some of the other maps that are already in the game so i really had a blast playing in there um I haven't gotten to try out any of the new skins yet for, uh, you know, Han and Lando and Chewie. I did get to play as the new Millennium Falcon, um, not in multiplayer, but, you know, because they have the single player um, Starfighter arcade that you can just do your own custom matches in there. Um, I just did a quick one right before we jumped on here just so I could try that out. Um, and that was a lot of fun. It's kind of cool being able to just fly around in the sleek, shiny, brand new Falcon um and it's it's labeled as lando and l3's falcon i don't think i heard lando talking at all but there's voiceover from l3 and uh you know just more of her um you know snarky quips and stuff she can get dark sometimes man because like i was flying around shooting down (laughs) tie fighters and i blew one up and she's like oh i wonder if that guy had a family or something oh well i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) why are you trying to guilt trip me about shooting down tie fighters Well, she is speaking the truth. I mean, empires, imperial pilots have families too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was fun playing in that ship. It was, uh, you know, it's got some cool new abilities and stuff. Um, especially, it's got like a like one of the abilities is called a coaxium injection or something, which is basically just the normal speed boost that they have on like the other Millennium Falcons and on uh, you know some of the other ships. But it has like a really really cool visual where the um the you know tail lights on the ship just light up real big and you just shoots out this big blue trail behind you um and it looks like you're almost about to go into hyperspace there's kind of like some glowy blue lights in front of you too it's cool um so that was fun um and then of course you know just playing the extraction mode um that was fun. I, I was giving Paul a hard time because, like, Tim, he thought you and I didn't like Extraction in the first Battlefront game for some reason. He's like, you guys always <laughs> gave me a hard time about it. I'm like, yeah, just because every time we wanted to play, you know, Fighter Squadron, you were like, oh, I'm going to go play Extraction. So we would just <laughs> give you... It's awesome. Well, yeah, like, that's what I said. Like, I enjoyed playing it in the first game. I certainly had nothing against it. It was just, you know, you loved it way more than we did. And so we just like to give you a hard time. Oh, there goes Paul playing Extraction again. That's right. Don't you forget yep. it. So yeah, I don't even have to ask anymore what mode you're on. That with Battlefront Two, Paul, I already know it's extraction. Yeah, <laughs> even though there's only two maps right now, it's yeah. just in Jabba's Palace and uh, and Castle. Well, and and I think that's what I'm what I'm thinking is that maybe with the Han Solo kind of expansion, it'll get people kind of into the game a little bit more, and then what's you know, it'll be a precursor to what we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, but. 
I will say, I think we're going to get more maps for extraction. They've already got a bunch from the old game, and they've already reused Java's Palace. Why not use uh, reuse Solus? And mm-hmm. uh, what was the other? What other other ones did they use? It was Java's Palace, um, and there was also uh, like the there's a, there's two Java's Palace maps or extraction ones. There's, there? there's two. Yeah, there's that one where it goes outside through a sail barge. And then, right, uh, but I thought that was all part no, of the same uh, thing. No, no, different one. Different. That one's uh, the throne room. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there were two because I remember there was one where you had to go out that hallway and there's another one where you mm-hmm. go out the hangar. Yeah, yeah. So you have those two. There's a Solus one. Which, what other ones am I missing? I don't remember. Was I don't that think it? there was one on Endor. No. Did Bespin have one? No, Bespin no. didn't have one. It was all Outer Rim. It was all Outer Rim. Expansion. Right, right. There so might have been two on Solist. You know what? I think there were two on Solist. Hold on. No, there wasn't two on. Hold on. Did Scarif have one at the end? No, no. I think it was just Tatooine and Solist, but I think there were two maps for each of them. No, because what was this? There was No, it was Solus only had one. There's a missed. It's going to. I'm going to kick myself in the face when. I'm going to look up on the internet. You guys keep going. I'm going to face this out. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, yeah, so that's, that's out now. I'm, I'm afraid to go on to the next thing because Paul's going to just randomly burst in in the middle of it and be like, oh, you're right. There were two maps on Solus. Oh, 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 we'll see who's <laughs> right here in a second. Well, too bad I can't jump in on what I think about the new Han Solo content because I haven't played it yet. <laughs> it should be downloaded by the time I turn my Xbox on. After We, we tried, tonight. Tim. We tried to get you on. We told you we we're going to get on. I know. Doing another podcast recording, so... <laughs> I probably should have played a podcast at the same time. Yeah. Hey, we've tried but, that before. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just looked it up, Paul. It had Jabba's Palace, Palace Garage, Sorosub Pipelines, right. and Sorosub Refinery. Yeah, you're right. You're you're right. I forgot that there's that one where the, you have the – you go through – you go outside Solus, and you have the one where you go inside the, the factory. Right. So you're right. So, yeah, so you could easily put those maps back in extraction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other, the, the Jabba's Palace Garage. Yeah, and also, we talked about this too, Death Star. That is so perfect for extraction. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, with the one they've already got in there now. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just, it's hard to just tack on new modes when, like, they already built those maps without those modes in mind. Like, I feel like they might have to make some tweaks to it or something like that. I think that's why every time there's a new uh, new mode added, it's only in, you know, they only have a couple of maps for it. Um, but anyway, let's get to the new and exciting stuff that was announced at the press conference about the future of Star Wars Battlefront 2. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, the post from the, uh, the Battlefront 2 website right here. Um which has a very nice cover photo of our favorite cyborg general rendered mm-hmm. in all his Battlefront 2 glory. Um, but Which I'm going to go ahead and say the design of General Grievous doesn't get enough love. As it should. It's a great looking character. That is true. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this here. It says, a love for Star Wars and a passion for amazing games has always been the heart of the DICE team behind Star Wars Battlefront 2. When the game launched, we had tripled the amount of content compared to its predecessors, spanning three Star Wars eras. We set out to unite the player base by removing Season Pass. We provided an original story campaign focused on Aiden Versio and the Inferno Squad. The reality, though, is that the launch of the game did not go as we planned. As a result, we spent a lot of time and effort going back to make essential changes. 
In March this year, we introduced overhauled linear progression update to our players. In April, players were able to spend in-game credits or crystals for cosmetic appearances. Along with this, we updated the game with additional maps, appearances, fixes, and modes, including the fan-favorite Ewok hunt. And in May, we launched the Han Solo season, which continues June 12th, which is today, with additional content inspired by Solo, a Star Wars story. With these updates in place, we're confident that there has never been a better time to play Star Wars Battlefront 2, and there's more to come. To our passionate Battlefront community, we've heard you. You asked for more Clone Wars content. Yes, we did. You <laughs> yep. asked for new ways to play the game. You asked for more frequent and transparent communication from us. So we'd like to share what's ahead for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Clone Wars content is coming to Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I just have to say, I mean, this isn't verbatim, but a lot of what's, what they're saying here in this press release is pretty similar to what uh, Dennis Branval, who's the uh, like the design director on the game, uh, said in the press conference during the presentation. Um, so this is kind of, you know, in line with what he was announcing. Um, and this got a, a huge reaction from the, the crowd there when he started talking about the uh, the Clone Wars stuff. Um, and it says, today at EA Play, we announced that, there are that we are going to expand Star Wars Battlefront 2 with new content from the Clone Wars era starting this fall with monthly updates. One of the major theaters of war in the Star Wars prequel era, Geonosis, is coming as a new location to play and explore. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Plus, two of the most highly requested hero characters, Obi-Wan Kenobi and General Grievous, will enter Star Wars Battlefront 2. And they will not come alone. Joining them is the Sith Lord and leader of the Separatists, Count Dooku, as well as Anakin Skywalker. More details on the upcoming Clone Wars content will be shared in the coming months. Um, and then, uh, just you know, at the end here, it says, um, ahead of the or, yeah, ahead of the Clone Wars content drops, we're still committed to delivering regular updates, events, and fixes to Star Wars Battlefront Two. This will include quality of life updates and new ways to play the game. Coming in July is a new Starfighter mode focused on piloting hero ships. We're pleased with the positive response we've had on this season's Hero Showdown and believe players will appreciate this similar, more focused approach just to hero Starfighter battles. <clears throat> um, and then and later this year, we'll introduce a nonlinear, larger scale mode where players battle for control of objectives around the map. We're also bringing changes to how squads will work, including uh, spawning on squad mates. And this is just a start. In an effort to improve upon our transparency, we're going to provide a more detailed roadmap on what's ahead for Star Wars Battlefront 2. We'll be able to share this with you after we've rounded up the Han Solo season in the end of June. Um, so, this all sounds amazing. Um, like, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, we were expecting Clone Wars content... And I was really just hoping for, like, Geonosis, Obi-Wan, and Grievous. I want more than that. I want Umbara and Ryloth and freaking Ahsoka and Cad Bane and Ventress. And, you don't ask for much. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, well, I'm just saying the possibilities of Clone Wars stuff they could put in this game is endless. But yes. I realized that, yeah, that that's asking for a lot. I'm not expecting to get most of that stuff. And we had talked about on previous episodes the you know just some of the kind of negative rumors we had heard about how ea wasn't happy with the way that this game launched and that there was maybe dwindling interest in it and that the team wasn't getting you know a whole lot of support from ea and that they might not be able to support the game a whole lot longer with the regular content updates and stuff like we were hoping for and so again kind of setting my expectations i'm like if all we get is geonosis and obi-wan and grievous like i'll at least be happy with that um, 
And so when he announced that we're getting Geonosis, we're getting Obi-Wan, we're getting Grievous, and he said, but that's not all, we're also introducing Count Dooku and Anakin Skywalker, just that alone, I was freaking giddy with excitement. Like, I really want to be able to play Anakin in this game, and that's going to be a ton of fun. Um, so I'm really glad they're introducing that. Um, I would say next on my wish list would probably be like a Coruscant space battle. Oh um, man, I would love that. <laughs> that would be amazing. And you know what? If that's all we get, I'm happy with that. And then if they want to, he did say during the press conference, he said, we're taking a deep dive into the Clone Wars or something like that. He said like the, later this year, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is diving deep into the Clone Wars. And so that makes me think that if this is successful and that if this revitalizes people's interest in the game which as far as i can tell it seems like it has i mean just reading some comments on youtube videos and stuff like i didn't see a whole lot of negativity and people being like oh this is too little too late or whatever i mean people were like man i can't wait to jump back into the game later this year when they add that stuff oh, that's um, surprising <laughs> yeah i mean it, it seemed to get a lot of positive reactions so Hopefully this can really kind of be, uh, you know, this game catching its second wind and kind of being a breath of fresh air. And then maybe we will get to see, you know, another couple of planets. I mean, I would love to see like Utapau, um, you know, and again, maybe some stuff from the Clone Wars TV series. I would really love it if we get Ahsoka added in there at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, the like I said, the possibilities are endless, but just seeing um, that they're still committed to this game and to delivering... Um, you know, new content and that they're listening to the fans and trying to, you know, kind of have more open communication and let us know when we can expect things um, has me really excited about the future of this game. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I mean, this was the announcement we were expecting to get at EA's press conference and it didn't disappoint. And so even though we knew it was coming, it was still great to finally hear and just see, at least in Grievous's case, his character model, like you said, looks awesome. But I kind of wish we got pictures of the other characters at the press conference mm -hmm. like obi-wan and anakin i thought i've heard that they might be the episode two models for both obi-wan and anakin which hmm. again might be what they start with but we know how you could choose different character skins for the heroes and villains so i'm sure we'll put the episode three version of there as well because i would love the option to switch them off between those two but yeah, just hearing the names, General Grievous got a, applause, Obi-Wan and Anakin got applause, and poor Dooku was silence. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, I just can't wait to play these characters again, like you said, Kyle, and especially on maps like Geonosis, what they're saying is the biggest one they ever created. Yeah. I mean, I just already imagining being able to play on the battlefield of Geonosis, playing in the arena, playing in the Geonosian catacombs, maybe that we've seen like in the Clone Wars episodes where the Queen's at. I mean, that would be awesome. And just to play as Obi-Wan and Grievous is going to be so much fun. I've been bringing back memories of playing the first Battlefront 2. Me and my brother had some great matches of Obi-Wan versus Grievous where he would just wipe out a lot of my clone trooper troops. But when we go head-to-head, -head, I would take him down. But then we'd have some <laughs> back and forth on there. Just lots of fun. So to be able to kind of capture that again is going to be awesome. And one thing I want to touch on a little bit too is that new mode they announced where it's going to be they're going to go back to where players are going to have to take over command posts, which to me is going to sound like a little bit like supremacy. Maybe it will be called different and not work quite the same as it was in the first Battlefront. But I do feel that is a mode that is missing from Battlefront 2, and I'm glad to see something like that's going to come back. But then they also said, too, how it's going to be where you'll be able to attack or you have to attack and take over capital ships. 
And that took me back to those modes in Battlefront 2 where you would have space battles and fly into the dock of a big capital ship and kind of take over it. To get mm-hmm. that again would be really, really fun because I love that. But also, I couldn't help but think, too, could this be a mode where we finally get the transition to ground battle? You mm-hmm. go on a ship, you take off in the atmosphere, and you're in space. I mean, how cool would it be to finally get that? And I'm anxious to see what exactly this mode is going to be and if it's going to have anything similar to that. Because, man, that could be loads of fun and possibly the best mode yet in Battlefront 2. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about with this announcement. With Not even Clone Wars, but just with some of the future updates they have planned. And I think it might be that combination of both. Because he didn't... Like, I, I think I misheard him the first time I watched this. And I thought he was talking about, like, a, a ground battle mode and then a space battle mode. But he just said we're doing a large-scale, you know, non-linear gameplay mode that revolves around capturing command posts and attacking capital ships. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is going to be something where it's going to be kind of like the conquest mode in the original Battlefront. Not necessarily Supremacy, because even Supremacy in the first Battlefront was kind of linear. Like, you had, you know, the, the command posts, there were like five of them, and you'd be fighting over like two at a time. But I want something like the original Battlefront games where there's just command posts scattered all over the battlefield and you go attack whichever one you want. And the objective is to kind of strategically work with your team and try to take over the entire battlefield from your opponent. And if you're doing that on a huge scale map like Geonosis and at the same time have, um, I don't know, like it would be awesome if you could transition into space. But even if there's just like cruisers hanging in the atmosphere and you can fly a ship up into the air and just be, you know, attacking targets up there. I mean, just to have kind of that multi-layered thing going on would be really cool. And it can kind of tie into that deleted episode two scene where, you know, Keati Mundi, Plo Koon, they took some troops like up to take over the droid control ship. So even it's not yeah. exactly like that, just the idea of leaving Geonosis and taking down those droid control ships could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, he also did say, too, that with Geonosis, they were going to have multiple levels. And so I think, you know, this large scale mode that they're talking about is probably just going to be outdoors, you know, the massive battle with all the clones and the droids and everything. Um and but man, the the arena as like a heroes versus villains map. Yeah, how oh. awesome would that be? Oh man! <laughs> so it, to, to kind of chime in a little bit, a little bit about this whole Clone Wars thing. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm not sure, I don't think you guys have touched on is, you know, the fans we have been asking for Clone Wars content since the dawn of this new Battlefront games or franchise. Oh, you're From, right. Yeah, you know. You know? Yeah. So. What's and what's sad is they kind of, I don't know if it's EA or whoever just just thought, oh, we need to do that. I mean, I, I think rushing the game out in 2015 definitely didn't help that. But the thing is, they just kind of felt, oh, the fans will be happy with whatever we give them because of Star Wars, and they quickly learned that wasn't the case. And obviously, they gave us more. They get they, they finally got all eras into the next game. Which was a great. That was everyone was really excited about that. I think everyone was on was on tap and ready for this new system or new game. And then obviously the whole you know uh, what do you call it progression system just got you know beat to hell. So you have, but what's what's funny is the whole time. What is every every YouTube channel for Battlefront? What are we always asking for? What do we want? We want more Clone Wars. Clone Wars has been asked for by the community forever, and I and I know that that the uh, that making the progression system work again 
and not be and, and revamping that whole thing definitely delayed everything. And mm-hmm. I know and it was really interesting is in the presentation that I watched. And I know, Tim, you watched it, too. I know, uh, Kyle, you're at work. But in the presentation, uh, Mitch is a dryer. Is that his name? Is that the same person? Or are these people confused? It's no, Dyer, it was the one who wrote Battlefront 2's campaign. Oh, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. Are you, the well, guy? Are, you ta- are you talking about the guy who was on stage? On stage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stage. that was that was the guy, Dennis, that I was talking about. Because I, actually, I actually did get to kind of take a break from work, and I watched that live, too. And then I've oh, gone cool. back and rewatched it on YouTube. So, yeah, I know okay, where so, you're at. Yeah, so when he – I thought it was really interesting that he came out and kind of said, we know we messed up. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really like, kind of humbling, to be quite honest. And I appreciate when people humble themselves in front of – you know. To make make themselves transparent and 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 are not going to try to hide something. I thought that was very interesting. And what I thought was cool was if, when he when he said we're going to finally bring you the Clone Wars, the whole place erupted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't just like yay, mm-hmm. and like you know, because again, you would think like if it's if it's a small group of fans who are like in the community who are like Clone Wars, and that's it. It wouldn't have been a huge eruption. Like, it was a huge eruption in the crowd. Like, everyone, whether you love the prequels or not, I think people love playing those eras, though. Yes. And, and I think that's what they underestimated. And what here's what I'm thinking. Because of that single eruption and seeing everyone freaking out about, about that on, on YouTube and things like that, I have to wonder... Maybe, just maybe. I don't think it's a po- I don't think it's a huge possibility, but I think it's a possibility that this could maybe save the game in a sense to where the Clone Wars can get everyone jazzed up, everyone jumps on this game, they love the new modes, they love all the customization, they start spending the money to get those custom trooper uh, things cuz lord knows like I like the hero skins. I'm not as big into them because there's only a few heroes that I'm good at. So it's like, well, I mean, I'm good with Ray, Yoda, and Leia, and I pretty much just use those three. So my options for clothing or for skins are not very good. Besides Leia's amazing Bausch armor, which I already bought that and I'm ready to go. But <laughs> so as far as like the other people, like the like the like the rebels and things like that, I'm like, I'm not spending money on that. But with troopers. You better believe people are going to be willing to maybe spend a couple bucks to get those and not have to wait. And mm-hmm. I might be, whoa, I may, I might. I haven't, you know, I'm not a trans, you know, a microtransaction guy. I might do that. So, well, I guess my point is, I think this, this Clone Wars expansion, people, if, or if you're listening and you're on the fence about Battlefront 2 or you like the game, but you want EA and DICE to put more stuff into it and you like the Clone Wars, support it. Because the one thing that I think that this could do is so save the game and give us more, not just Clone Wars expansions, but maybe just expansions in general, more DLCs. So I think it was really telling to me the fact that every, the whole place erupted when he said Clone Wars. And I think that's really cool. I think the community is really excited because I think if you get the community buzzing about the game, then people outside the community who are gamers will be excited about the game and go, oh, I check this out. Everyone's freaking out about the new Clone Wars expansion. Mm-hmm. And ho- hopefully this conquest mode can be, you know, what we all want it to be. And I and I, I keep talking about this. And I you, you mentioned too, Tim, about playing with your brother and, you know, you guys, you know, command posts and things like that. Like they need to bring something like that. Where, you know, you have one-on-one with your friends where each person is like, you know, the one, 
it's you're you're going up against another person's AI in, in mm-hmm. you and going up against old school or you're taking people's command posts. Like seriously, like I would die at something like that. So, you know, and because I, I had so much fun with my friend just playing on, on my old PlayStation that, you know, I got for in, in between waiting for this game to come out, the first Battlefront game. We'd have this blast. And I missed out on those games when I, you know, I was too busy playing music and thinking that video games were too lame, you know, back in the day. <laughs> and now I'm like, I really want those. I want to I want to go get a private match between me or you, Kyle or, or, or Tim and play our AIs versus, you know, me and you and our AIs against each other trying to get, you know, each other's, um, you know, uh, zones. Mm-hmm. That, to me, would be a blast, just like in the original Battlefront. So mm-hmm. I hope for something like that, but I think they're headed the right direction. Would support this game because if we can support this, they'll give us more, more D- DLC. I agree with you on that. You know, I... And that's something I hadn't really thought about in a while, but I'm totally down to, you know, spend a few bucks on some some customizable skins and stuff. Especially, like you said, when they release that Clone Wars content, there's a huge amount of stuff they can do because we still don't have, like, customizable Clone Trooper skins in the game. And, you know, there's tons of those you can do with all the different legions and all the different colors and all that kind of stuff. And then when you release these heroes... I mean, even Grievous, you can do him, like, with the cape and then without the cape. Um, yeah. Dooku cool. maybe has a couple different outfits from Clone Wars that you could use. Um, I'm trying In his to... pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think if there's, if he's had anything besides that pajama That outfit. would be incredible. Um, dude, they could make that the most expensive thing in the game make that like because right now the the legendary level skins are like eighty thousand credits shoot make dooku in his pajamas a hundred thousand credits people will get um but then you know like you were saying they could money for that you could have uh shoot you could have episode one skin like an episode one skin for obi-wan and then you know have him fighting against darth maul on naboo that would be cool um you know have episode two skins for anakin and obi-wan have episode three skins like i don't know what they'll pick as the default one probably either the episode two or the episode three but then um you know have skins for from each of those movies have some uh you know even some skins from the clone wars series because there's a lot of different outfits on there to choose from um so yeah, tons of different customization options, and it's weird because the model has changed so much nowadays. Like it used to be paid DLC that everybody hated, and it was. I think people were right to complain when it felt like game developers like didn't fully finish the game, and then they wanted you to pay extra for stuff that felt like it should have been part of the game in the first place. And that was certainly you know an issue that a lot of people had with the first Battlefront game with the season pass and all that kind of stuff. And then it also becomes an issue of like dividing the player base because then some people pay for the dlc and some people don't and so you can't play with all your friends and all that kind of stuff but at the same time like when i mean it's great that they're supporting this game with all this free content but i'm okay with paying for stuff you know like paying like five or ten bucks for a clone wars map pack with geonosis and anakin and obi-wan and all this stuff i wouldn't mind plunking down some cash for that so if they're going to give it to us for free and instead they're trying to get money through microtransactions and stuff um while i might not be a fan of that business model like you know like because you think when you think about it it's like do i really need to spend like two dollars to get like a clone trooper skin it's like no i could just play and save up my credits and get that without spending real money but 
when you think about what it's going towards and, you know, putting that money towards the the support and development of a game that we really love and care about, and if that's going to allow them to continue making more Clone Wars content in the future, I'm totally down for that. So, yeah, I think you're right, Paul. Let's get people out there, you know, just supporting the game, and hopefully this garners a lot more interest in it. Um, I mean, just like you said, I was very sort of uplifted just by the reaction of you know the the people in the audience at this press conference and like i said some of the reactions that i've seen online and stuff afterwards um has me feeling very hopeful about it now it's just a matter of can they deliver on this um is it going to be as good as we're hoping for and then will this actually you know sort of reignite the interest and bring people back into the game because i really think um i think they have a really good chance to do that especially if when they release when they launch this Clone Wars stuff, like do a big marketing push, like there should be trailers and like ads for it on TV and stuff, saying like there's never been a, gr a better time to come back to Star Wars Battlefront two. Like almost make this like a second launch of the game, since this is what people have been asking for since the game came out. Um, and you know, hopefully it'll be a, a big push that'll allow it to keep being successful for uh, you know a long time afterwards. Yeah, I would. You know, before we had this conversation. I'd probably say that might be asking too much. I don't think this would do it, but I'm actually surprised, but thankfully surprised that how you were saying, Kyle, the feedback on this has been positive for the most part. It just wasn't, you know, comments saying, oh, I'm too little, too late. I'm not coming back to the game regardless. But the fact that it has gotten some positive responses makes me hopeful for what you guys were talking about uh, being something that's possible with this game. And that would be awesome. And I just like the fact, too, that it is Clone Wars that's going to be doing this because kind of what you were saying, Paul, how it seems like. EA just assumed, uh, to quote uh, Snoke, assumed wrongly <laughs> about the original trilogy being the only era that fans really care about. And as long as we got that in the game, that's, they'll be happy with that. I mean, you could talk about the bad reputation the prequels have. They might have thought that, you know, fans won't be caring too much about that if it's not there. But they heard the outcry, how we really wanted planets, characters from the prequel era and the Clone Wars. And the fact that this could be their biggest update yet to bring, you know, to Battlefront 2 to its, you know, best capabilities <laughs> that we were expected to be when it launched. Uh, to me, that's awesome. Just, you know, underestimating how much the Star Wars fan base, you know, really, like you said, maybe not in love with the movies, but just the things that we got in the prequels, planets, vehicles, characters in there. I mean, it's just a lot to love. It makes Star Wars such a big universe and, you know, unique to play in when you get all these different eras and locations and characters to play as. It just enhances it. So I just like the idea just from you know, a fan of the prequels and Clone Wars, that this could be the content and era that, you know, gets Battlefront 2 back on its feet, and so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that necessarily just the Geonosis map or whatever is going to magically make the game super successful, but I think it's going to be a big step in the right direction that they can definitely sort of capitalize off of and keep pushing in that right direction. Yeah. Um, and sort of just repairing the relationship with the fans, too. I mean, like Paul was talking about, I was actually very uh, sort of pleasantly surprised at how sort of open and honest Dennis was during this presentation and just saying like, hey, look, we realized we messed up and we didn't get to hit the ground running with as much, you know, new content as we wanted to and as we had originally planned because we had to take some time and like kind of step back and reevaluate and fix the things that were wrong with the game first so we could make this you know, the experience that players wanted before we could go and kind of add to it. And then, of course, you know, they had to do, like, the Last Jedi DLC and now the Solo DLC. And so now it seems like they're really kind of finally being able to hit the ground with, like, 
the the stuff that they've been wanting to do since the beginning and it was maybe more like ea and lucasfilm saying like no we need to like take care of this other stuff first um and i'm sure also the developers really wanted to sort of get the game right and so they had to take that time to uh to fix the progression system and all that um but yeah, I mean, just a combination of all those things, like getting the Clone Wars content we've always wanted, seeing the reaction to it, and seeing um, just the the way that they presented it, and kind of being you know very open and humble and realistic about the way that they messed up and um, the things that they're going to do moving forward. It all has me very optimistic about the future of this game. So I am very pleased and very excited with that. Yep, but like I always say, when we get new content. I just got to get back on there and play it more because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm. I really pumped out is to get after we're done recording, start playing this new on solo content, and then just get more excited for the Clone Wars stuff coming soon. Yeah, and I mean they Play didn't it. say exactly when that's coming, but I'm I'm excited just for the end of this month to get that roadmap, and I mean we should get a pretty good idea of when everything is coming for the rest of the year. So that'll be very cool. But sorry, what were you saying, Paul? Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just, I was just uh, explaining myself that Tim needs to actually start playing this game oh, with yeah. us. You know, basically. But, you know, I I think this this expansion is going to do a lot of good things for for Battlefront too, and I hope I hope it brings it. I hope it kind of gives a, a a little bit of a re- revive. You know, revives the game a little bit, and and people start playing it and start realizing it's a lot of fun. And and you know, I mean, it's. Everyone wants a story, a deep super story, and not everyone wants that. I'm kind of indifferent. I, I like to have both, and but I love just getting lost in Star Wars and playing battles. And so, you know, I, I think this Clone Wars thing is gonna be really cool. I think it's gonna be a huge. I mean, I hope it's. I hope it's soon. It's. I feel like they ha- They can't let it linger too long. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. let's hope. Let's hope we get it soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I mean, it was awesome to get that news. It's been awesome to be able to play the new stuff. And Tim, you should get on there and play it with us soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it with all the big news. So as we uh, kind of head towards wrapping up here, um, Tim, I know you had been posting some polls and stuff on Twitter, and I'm sure we've got probably some more listener responses and stuff. So why don't you go ahead and uh, round all that up for us? Yeah, definitely. So put up three polls and one I forgot to mention on the last episode was just a, a poll about the overall thoughts on solo as a film. And then I posted a few more about the characters. So go ahead and share those and some of the responses we've got from those polls. So first off, um, just overall thoughts on the film um, from it was amazing, better than expected, just okay. And very disappointing are the choices and glad to see that only zero point or I should say just 3% was very disappointing. 17% was thought it was just okay. 38% said it was better than expected and coming in at number one, 42% said it was amazing. Nice. And then after that, put up a poll for favorite uh, classic character in the movie. And this one was surprising to me. It didn't go the way I thought. Um, at 11%, I threw in the Millennium Falcon in there because it is kind of a character. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely a classic too. So that was 11% and tied with it, it was Lando coming in at 11%. I thought he was going to win this one. Wow. But coming in second was Chewie at 28% and winning it was Han at 50%. And that was surprising because like we talked about, kind of everyone being unsure about Alden Ehrenreich. And this goes to show what we were saying now. His performance really was a standout in the film. And I was kind of glad to see that uh, our followers on Twitter thought so too. It's having him win this poll. And in response to that, I got a comment from Lance Torres at Lance uh, Torres 
on Twitter saying, Chewie and Lando were great, but Alden deserves to not hear. He took an impossible task and made it highly believable and enjoyable, which I think we can all agree with. Yeah, what, and Darth Maul doesn't count as a classic <laughs> character? Oh, come <laughs> on, man. Spoiler alert. Part, mainly that was spoiler, and was he in it quite enough? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you on that, yeah. <laughs> so then I had to split up two polls for the favorite new characters because there were just too many <laughs> to fit on the four limit that we have on Twitter. So with the choices of Tobias Beckett, Val, Rio, and Dryden Voss, coming in last was Dryden Voss at 12%. Coming in third was Val at 18%. Rio came in second at 25 and Tobias Beckett won this one at 45%. And we got a comment from Darth Daddy at Darth underscore Daddy saying, Rio, but I do hate that they didn't use Val more. She was, you know, being set up to be one heck of a character, in my opinion. That and I just love some Dandy Newton. So I was actually surprised that Val came in third on there because I've seen a lot of great reaction from Val. That maybe, I guess, her not being only in the beginning of the movie, not having a bigger role kind of hurt her <laughs> voting results here. But Tobias Beckett kind of won this one easily. And then for favorite character poll number two, um, coming in at zero at eight percent is Lady Proxima, and number three is eighteen percent is L three, and wow. coming in third mm. is Enfist Nest at thirty four percent. I was bummed she came in second; thought she would have pulled off the win, <laughs> but Kira won this one at forty percent of the votes. So I was glad though that Lady Proxima got some love shown here. <laughs> and love got- Lady Proxima. We got a response from Yoda Bauer at Yoda Bauer on Twitter saying, 100% Lady Proxima. I love weird Star Wars. Weird Star Wars is my favorite. And a giant worm lady giving out dating advice to her <laughs> and to her child laborers <laughs> while she hides from the sun in her dune pool is just pretty freaking weird. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> and so that was it for the polls. But then we just got uh, one response for uh, Jedi Fallen Order. From Hockey Geek 76 at Hockey Geek 76. He says, Just a theory, but Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is sounding like a game featuring a young Kanan Jarrus. Mm. And I couldn't help but think of that too when uh, he mentioned that, where it would make sense to focus, especially in the time period, is the game's taking place in and it's going to be about a young Padawan. It wouldn't make sense to be J- Kanan, but I don't think it's going to happen because we already got that story told <laughs> in the comics and Kanan doesn't really stay a Padawan too very long in that era. I mean, he has a little adventure in the comics, but then he kind of abandons uh, the Jedi life there. So there probably wouldn't be too much to explore if they wanted to use him as the main character for that game. So um, it was a cool thought. I think they could make it work if they wanted to, but probably not likely. I'm kind of liking the customized <laughs> customization idea we were throwing out earlier as far as creating your own character with that. So we'll see, but definitely something I thought about maybe that, Kane and could have been tied into that if they wanted to use him. It wouldn't make sense, but I don't think they are. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing that, like, you know, he's around during that time period and he's kind of maybe the first person you think of as far as characters that we already know of in the canon of, um, you know, Padawans who survived Order 66. But then, yeah, you think about it and it's like, well, actually, he wasn't really, um, you know, he didn't really follow that Jedi path for too much longer um, until he kind of came back around to it with Rebels. Yeah, but he did. He would make a good protagonist in the game. He mm, <laughs> even if they that is beyond, true. Like after he abandoned the ways of the Jedi, <laughs> he could probably make for some cool stories. Just you know how he became more, uh, not necessarily a smuggler, but out on his own and kind of just finding his way in the galaxy, taking on different jobs. So that 
probably would be the worst idea in the world if they decided to use Kanan in the game in the future or whatnot. Yeah, that would be really cool, like a third-person action game where you're kind of just relying on your blaster and stuff and then yeah. have mm -hmm. force powers to use when you're, like, in a really tight pinch. Definitely, yeah. So more ideas for EA to pick from. So. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. If they're listening. <laughs> But yeah, that's it for the polls and the responses we got. So as always, thanks everyone for taking part in the polls and sending us your thoughts. Yeah, thank you guys so much for chiming in on that. Um, and then one thing, you know, that I I kind of thought of this as we were recording. This wasn't on our, our list of articles to bring up or anything. Um, then I realized like, oh, yeah, we probably should mention this. Um, and I'm sure you guys have probably heard because this has been, you know, making the rounds lately about... Um, you know, just the stuff about Kelly Marie Tran and how she was, you know, oh, yeah. bullied and shut down her Instagram and everything. And I was like, do we really want to go into this? Like, I don't feel like lecturing you guys on being nice to people on the Internet. Um, and I don't feel like I really need to because, you know, what I want to kind of highlight instead is just like at least the the people that we interact with on a daily basis, like on our social media and stuff. You guys have just been so fun and so positive and um you know, it's been nice to kind of get some compliments from people saying how you guys appreciate that we like to kind of see the silver lining in things. And even when we disagree, you know, with decisions that they're making or disagree with each other, I mean, we can be critical sometimes, but in general, we just like to be upbeat and fun and positive and just choose to enjoy Star Wars instead of being all negative about it. Um, but I would throw that right back and say that, you know, all the like all of you guys that we've interacted with have been just the same way. I mean, I know we get... Um, critical opinions from people from time to time um but i mean everybody that you know responds to our polls that sends us emails and tweets and comments on our facebook and stuff like that um you guys just seem to be in it to have fun just like we are and we love um just enjoying this with you guys and to you know getting your take on on just you know the fun part of star wars and just hearing what you enjoy about the movies and you know what you like what you don't like but i i mean i've never seen anybody you know, in, in our sort of personal sphere and our little, you know, group of fans and the people that listen to our show. And we're certainly not, you know, the biggest show out there by any stretch, um, nor are we trying to be. But, um, you know, I feel like we have our own kind of little target audience. And there's certainly, you know, several of you out there that we've interacted with on many occasions. And we've never heard any kind of, um, you know, really bad negativity and trolling and certainly nothing, you know, racist and sexist and anything like that. Um, and so rather than getting up on a soapbox and being like, don't do that, I just want to, you know, give props to you guys for not doing that and for being the, the positive and uh, fun-loving uh, kind of Star Wars fans that we want to be around and the kind of people that we wish there were more of on the internet. So um, just keep, uh, you know, spreading that positive energy and just being the awesome fans that you are. Um, and, you know, show people that, you know, Star Wars fans as a whole are not, you know, bitter, negative, uh, you know, sexist, racist, pessimistic, you know, all that negative stuff that we're just here to, uh, you know, enjoy the stuff that we love and uh, enjoy it with other fans and, uh, you know, just kind of share that positive energy. Yeah, well said. And I'll echo what you said about our listeners and those that interact with us on Twitter, we really very rarely, if at all, had any you know, really hateful or negative interactions that show that ugly side of the fandom, which in turn makes me you know, sad and regretful how there is that side that's out there and it's really nasty and it's just a shame that a part of fandom has become to that. But thankfully, it's not something we had to you know, deal with as far as interaction with the listeners and followers we've had. So it's much appreciated. 
Yeah. So thank you guys for being awesome. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Um, well, with that said, I think we're just about ready to wrap up on this episode. Um, thank you as always for tuning in. Thanks for being, uh, just, you know, awesome fans and listeners and for, uh, enjoying Star Wars with us. Um, as always, you can find us online at starwarstsc.com is our website. You can follow us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And primarily, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Um, and you can also send us emails at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, you know, of course you can find us on iTunes as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back when we've got some more awesome Star Wars news to talk about. Until then, thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. See you dudes. <laughs>